Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, your host. And since some of you might be looking for some new ways to pass the time these days, I wanted to offer a suggestion. You know, you could go to blisterreview.com and attempt to read every single thing that we've ever published. I think that would probably keep you busy through like at least September or October. So just a suggestion, blisterreview.com, read the entire website. I am happy to say that in these times where good news is a little bit hard to come by, I do have some good news to report. You all are now extremely close to getting Operation Watch the Blister People Try to Telemark greenlit. As I am recording this, I think we are something like 10 ratings away from hitting that 250 ratings mark. And then as soon as we get there, and you know what? There are definitely thousands of people listening to this right now who could drag this whole thing over the finish line in like the next five seconds. So people, come on, let's get this done. But anyway, we get to 250, we will then start amassing this telly gear, and then we will get underway making the world's first social distancing telemark video. Well, I mean, there's actually probably a joke to be made here that like every telemark video ever made, and anyone who's ever watched a telemark video, that probably already was an exercise in social distancing. But um, bump, you know, because not that many people telly. Anyway, the point is we are sitting at like 240 ratings in Apple Podcasts. So just pull out your phone or get on your, you know, overpriced MacBook AirPad Pro or whatever. Hit that five-star rating button and then we will telly and then that will somehow probably bring us one step closer to like the end of the world. All right, enough about telly for now because today we are going to be diving into some talk about some alpine ski boots that have quite the history. I'm talking about full tilt. Now, full tilts are boots that are beloved by some, including athletes like Bodie Miller, Tom Wallish, Seth Morrison, and Sammy Carlson, but they are also boots that get pigeonholed, even stigmatized by others, who think of these boots as being for, like, park kids trying to avoid shin bang. So today we are joined by Austin Peters, who is the ski boot engineering manager for Full Tilt and K2 Ski Boots, to talk about the history of Full Tilt, to talk about what makes Full Tilts unique, why you might want to go with a full tilt versus a traditional two-piece or overlap ski boot. And we talk about what's new for 2021, including Sammy Carlson's new pro model. And so with that, let's keep talking about boots around here. Seems like we've been doing that a lot these days at Gear 30. So let's get to it. Well, Austin, uh, we are in some crazy, crazy times right now. For the next little while, we're going to kind of put the craziness aside and talk a little bit about ski boots. And uh, so with that, welcome to Gear 30. Hey, thanks for having me. So what is your official current position these days? So at K2 Sports, I am the K2 and Full Tilt Ski Boot Engineering Manager. Okay, the K2 and Full Tilt Ski Boots Engineering Manager. 
So let's talk a bit now about your background and how on earth somebody gets that job. Yeah, so I fell into a position uh, at K2 eight years ago. And it was really a dream come true when I got that email saying that I was uh, selected for an interview. And I can remember that day uh, vividly. Uh, my background, I, I grew up skiing. My dad, uh, I always tell people this, but my, it's, it's half true. But my dad used to work at Scott Ski Boot back in the day when they were in Sun Valley. And he worked on the assembly line for about two weeks before he decided that he would rather be skiing than building ski boots. So kind of kind of funny for that to kind of come full circle and have <laughs> me designing ski boots now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I grew up skiing. My dad had a truck and camper and would take us up to the mountain every Friday night. We'd free ski on Saturday and we'd ski race on Sunday. So skiing was just a big part of what I did. And when I got done with high school and I was looking at different colleges. I should say I grew up in Washington state skiing at Crystal Mountain. And Crystal is a great mountain. And I know that now. But when I was younger, I hadn't skied everywhere in Utah and in Montana and in Colorado. So I was looking out of state like crazy. I really wanted to go ski bigger mountains. And, uh, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in school. Um, I just knew that wherever I ended up, I wanted to be skiing. So out-of-state tuition is expensive, uh, so I didn't make it out of state, but I ended up going to Western Washington University up in Bellingham, uh, skiing Mount Baker, set myself up on a winter schedule to be skiing four days a week, going to class three. And uh, it took me a little bit of time to uh, get into an engineering degree, um, but it was really once I started tearing my knees up, I had Sitting here today, I've had five knee surgeries, ACL, PCL replacement on the left. And some of those, I mean, really all those were in college. And that's when I realized that I needed to spend my time focusing on school and not skiing as much as I was. So I started studying manufacturing engineering. And I knew that I wanted to make skis. I wanted to be in the ski industry. I wanted, I was a good skier. I was skiing a lot of park at that time and big mountain. And uh, I had ideas to, to make skis better for this kind of stuff that I was trying to do. So my senior project comes around and uh, everyone's choosing different uh, companies to work with. And I decided to do an independent senior project to try and redesign skis using a honeycomb core structure like Hexel did back in the day to make a wide powder ski that was really lightweight. Because I saw what was happening in the freestyle world so back in like 2011, um, just seeing guys do double flips and going off. All that stuff that's happening in the park is really starting to transfer into the backcountry. And I, I could do most of the flips and spins and all the things. And I knew that if I could do what I could do on small jumps, that guys would be like these triples guys are doing now in quads. I, I knew that was coming. I saw it. And so I tried to make this ski using honeycomb as course structure. And I evaluated a bunch of honeycomb uh, materials and replicated a ski that was currently on the market. And through the whole project, I, I had this dream that I was just going to get picked up by a ski company immediately for my ski design. And uh, it was all going to be gravy. And at the end of that project, all my skis broke. So it was, it was a heartbreaking moment, um, but it was a huge learning lesson. 
So I had that experience with skiing background, making skis for my senior project. Uh, my first job out of college was at an injection mold facility in Auburn, Washington, um, and working as a project manager, making kind of random parts and working with different companies. And while I was there, it was a pretty short time, about six months, I learned a lot about plastic materials and plastic part design. So a job position opened up at Full Tilt for a Full Tilt ski boot engineer. Um, I applied to that and really all the stars aligned. I had the plastics experience that I needed to design ski boots. I had the skiing background um, to go with it and really just the passion to be in the ski industry. And what I didn't have, I guess, is I wasn't a boot fitter. I wasn't coming from a really a footwear background of any sort. So what I've always told people is, well, I'm designing ski boots. I'm working with a lot of boot fitters, really great boot fitters that help give us ideas to what makes a boot great. And I know how to design it. So that, that's the story of how I ended up at K2, full tilt. I want to go back. You said, as you were talking about, you were building these lightweight kind of honeycomb skis, but then they all broke at the end, right? They, they all ended up breaking on you. And you said, I learned a lot, I think, or you learned some big lessons there. What did you learn? Well, you know, when I look, look back at the project and what I did, there were, there were things that I learned through the process that could have been done better. I, I know why the skis broke now that uh, it all happened. Um, so when I did this project, it was a self-funded project. I wasn't working with any big company. I was working with Hexel in the sense that they were giving me free materials, but they didn't sponsor my internship. So when I did all my testing, I used, I, I made half skis. So I'd make half a ski because I can make twice as many samples. And the goal that I had through the process was figuring out which honeycomb material was easiest to manufacture. So I made a, a router table to plane the core. Um, and I was evaluating aluminum, Nomex, uh, and a fiberglass honeycomb material. I ended up using an aluminum. But through the process, I was using a standard ski press. And my top and bottom layers of the honeycomb material weren't sealed. So I was getting epoxy to run through the honeycomb, essentially creating pretty heavy uh, ski all things considered with it being made out of all honeycomb. So through, through that, there was just learning lessons. Um, and, you know, I think anytime you uh, put your heart and soul into something and you fail, you learn a lot. You learn more than had everything gone uh, perfect. Okay. So about eight years ago, you start in at Full Tilt. And I'd like to have you basically... Talk to us a little bit about the history of Full Tilt. Let's try to clarify a little bit on the, I think, very interesting history of Full Tilt and where this brand kind of came from. Yeah, so Full Tilt, you know, it's the old Reikley tools. Um, it's the old Reikley ski boot that was used 30, 35 years ago. And the history there is this was a, a boot that was ahead of its time. It had a different flux characteristic than other boots that were on the market using its uh, ribbed tongue that flexed like a straw. It was on World Cup podiums and downhill. It was just a phenomenal boot. And then if you look at the just evolution of ski boots in general, 
boots kind of slowly morphed into this two-piece design to what we see on the market today. You go into a ski shop and you're going to see, you know, 80% of the boots on the wall are this two-piece design. They all look pretty similar to one another. Well, years ago, K2 Sports had the opportunity to purchase these tools, which were sitting on a shelf um, over in Europe. And there was the old Reikley ski boot tools. And at that time, I think K2 Sports was trying to figure out a way to get into the boot market. And we've been making skis forever. That's where our business is uh, founded from. But we didn't have a ski boot. And by purchasing these old Reikley tools would give K2 Sports kind of a, a way to dip their toes in the water of, of ski boots. So we buy these tools. And then it turns out that the Reikley ski boot is just an amazing boot. We, if you go skiing today, you'll see that old Reikley ski boot on people's feet all over the place. Um, so it's a design that's really lasted the test of time. It is unique. And when I started at Full Tilt, at that time, we were still just injecting the original FTO, so the Full Tilt original shell. And the first project I worked on was the FTS, so Full Tilt with the Soul. So the boot is pretty different than other two-piece boots or just two-piece boots that are on the market. Um, but if you just look at our athlete base and the, just the overwhelming number of people that still ski in like the Reikleys, um, it, it really is a design that works. And I think a lot of people will pigeonhole themselves into a two-piece boot where that three-piece boot looks weird and different and the ski is different. Uh, but there's a lot of advantages to the boot in its design. All right, let's take a second and just clarify a couple terms and make sure we're all on the same page here. You're talking about two-piece boots and and not three-piece boots and not overlap boots. So let's let's talk about a few of those and let's throw in cabrio in there. So let's we're putting you on the spot. Walk us through a little bit what might be synonyms here and where you want to highlight some clear differences in terms. Yeah, so when I'm saying two-piece boot, I'm talking about an overlap boot. Those one and the same. So a two-piece boot being a ski boot that has a lower shell and an upper cuff. Really two main plastic components coming together. And then when I'm talking about a three-piece boot, I'm talking about a cabrio design. And it's, I don't really know the history where the cabrio terminology came from. That might have been a Dalbello thing, but... Um, the three-piece design has three main components. So you've got the lower shell, you have a cuff, but you also have a tongue component. And the tongue component on a full tilt boot is governing the flex of the boot. Whereas in a two-piece boot, you basically have the shell and cuff kind of deforming together as you flex, which is controlling the flex. So it's flexing in a little bit different way. Okay, and so just to be clear and make sure people are tracking... Two-piece equals overlap, which is yeah. to say our typical four-buckle boots that are very, very common these days. Three-piece boots, that would be the full-tilt style of boot. Correct. So you're talking then about the sort of unique flex properties of full tilts, or maybe we generalize out to kind of three-piece boots in general. I'll let you decide if you want to generalize there or go specific to kind of a full tilt boot design. But let's talk about that. What makes this unique? 
Well, what really makes Full Tilt unique as far as design goes of the boot um, is the way it has this tongue that it controls the flex of the boot. It's not controlling 100% of the flex, but it's controlling the majority of the flex, and it's easy to replace. So you have a plastic tongue right on the front of your shin going over the top of your foot and instep. And you can change out that tongue piece from a, for a stiffer or a softer component uh, to really change the flex of the boot. And that really is something that makes it unique. Um, it's one, one thing that makes it unique. Whereas in an overlap style two-piece boot, to make some sort of flex modification, it usually requires some sort of permanent modification to the shell, usually some sort of cuts to the inside of the shell to soften the boot. It's hard to make a two-piece boot stiffer, but where a full tilt, you could buy something that's maybe uh, 100 flex, with a, which is our eight tongue, and you can buy a stiffer tongue for days that maybe you're spring skiing at Mount Hood and the weather is just warmer. Um, you can put a stiffer tongue on to have a stiffer flex. And then you can switch back and forth. It's super easy, super quick to change. Just to clarify for everybody, so somebody who has a full tilt shell can just go ahead and modify the stiffness of the flex pattern on that shell by purchasing a different tongue. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's super interesting. And this is something that we're playing with a bit right now. Um, we have in a couple pairs of full tilt boots and, and I asked you specifically, I said, go ahead and, you know, send the <laughs> equivalent of the full tilt first chair kind of 130 flex, which is a 12, that's what you guys would call a 12 tongue. Yeah. I was like, and then just go ahead and send a, a quote unquote 120 first chair shell. So that means that second pair came with a, you know, came with a 10, number 10 tongue, right? And we can and have just been switching these back and forth in the boots that we're currently testing. Yeah. You know, maybe one thing I should point out too is full tilt. We, we just changed our flex ratings. So what we used to call maybe a, a first chair 10. Um, we, we use a, a 10, an 8, and a 6 to distinguish the differences between our flexes and our model line. But when you looked at the rest of the ski boots that are on the market, you see flex numbers like 130, 120, 100. Um, and we just recently just made a change to our naming convention just to be a little more in line, just to make it a little bit easier for somebody who's maybe skiing in a 130 boot now to say, oh, well, I'm going to get to try that first chair 130. Because that's, in, you know, they're saying apples to apples there on the flex rating. I'm going to give you the opportunity to be irreverent here for a moment or um, iconoclastic, maybe, if you like. You know, we've talked quite a bit about, like, how kind of wildly arbitrary these stated flex pattern numbers are. And somehow, like, the world of 100 and 110 and 120 and 130 is kind of winning out. I realize you guys just kind of decided, well, let's go ahead and fall in line with that convention. But do you care to make any statements about why this is stupid? And we were, it's just as good to be like, let's just call ours a 6, 8, 10, and 12. Yeah, we're, you know, we're just trying to make it easier for the customer to understand the flex difference between uh, two different boots. And we might as well be saying that a 130 boot is a stiff boot and a one, 
110 boot is a medium stiffness boot and a 90 soft. Because when you're looking at all the 130 flex boots on the market, which are your relatively your stiffer boots, now World Cup boots go much stiffer than that, 140, 150s. Um, but what you find is that all 130 boots are a little bit different. There's no standard for flex. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. There's no standard out there. And it, we've talked about this a bunch. You know, How do you standardize flex? And it's really impossible. Um, it's impossible because different materials, whether you're using, a, say you're using polyurethane on the shell and cuff materials. If you're using a polyether material, it might react different than a polyester material at different temperatures. So you might get the flex to be identical say on the shop floor at room temp, but once boots start getting cold, they start reacting differently. And then the liner plays a factor into the stiffness of the boot. Um, all boots kind of depending on the, how they're built or designs, they have different flex patterns and feels. It's re- you can't really standardize it in the industry. And then the other one is last width. The last width is pretty interesting because when we're talking about last width, we're talking about the width of the ski boot. And if we have a 99 millimeter last, we're talking about the widest point of that last perpendicular to the ski. So inside the shell, not, not considering the liner, but inside the shell, the widest point perpendicular to the ski. And that's a one, one point in the last. It's a one point measurement. And it's not taken into consideration the thickness of the liner. It's not taken in a measurement of the instep height or the heel width. We might as well just be calling... 100 last or 99 millimeter last a medium width last so there's a few numbers in the ski boot um, world that can be a little misleading so let's maybe go back for a minute um it is not the case that full tilts today i presume are exactly the same as you know these reikley's of old so talk to me a little bit about sort of some of the obvious evolutions um, between sort of these, the Reikley boots of old and what say, you know, this season or next season's full tilt boots, which I guess this is all a different way of asking. What have you been doing for eight years, Austin? Yeah. So the original Reikley boot was built in the FTO chassis, so the full tilt original shell. So it doesn't have a replaceable full sole. It's got a replaceable heel puck. It's a 99 millimeter last width. The tongue design on the original Reikley's was a two-material tongue. Um, we're using those same tools now, but we're injecting it with a single material. So really, the, the big differences are we're using different materials that were that we have available to us today versus materials that were used 30 years ago. So different polyurethane materials can give different uh, performance characteristics. So there might be a little bit difference in feel because of that. So that's one point. Uh, The next big one is our full tilt boots have had these wrap liners in them. So a different style liner. Most of your ski boots come with a tongue style liner. Um, Whereas the full tilts, the liner, if you look at it at the top of the liner, it wraps in a circle around your calf. That's the biggest difference. And I think that's giving the biggest difference in feel. So you say, what have I been doing? <laughs> what has our team been doing in the last eight <laughs> years? 
Uh, I'm doing a lot. Um, there was the first, the FTS. So taking that FTO boot and putting a replaceable sole on it. Um, and as you see with, uh, kind of the changes in, in binding and soles today, we're, we're able to use the grip lock sole on that model. And that could be another whole conversation on grip lock soles. And then we also created the FTE shell. So that's the full tilt evolution shell that's used on our descendant series and our ascendants. Um, so that's a 102 last width. So a wider last width for somebody who's got a, a larger foot. Those are some of the, say, the bigger projects we've worked on. Um, and just recently, we decided we were going to revamp our first chair series and kind of go back to the roots of the Reikley boot. And the Reikley boot was built off of a tongue liner. So we created what we're calling our, our pro tongue liner to go in the first chair series to give you kind of more of that traditional Reikley feel, but also just make it have make the full tilt boot feel a little more like your traditional two-piece boot, which most two-piece boots come with a tongue-style liner. This is the main thing I want to drill down on, because this was a pretty big surprise to us that starting next season, first chair boots, full tilt first chair boots are coming with this tongue-style liner, not the wrap liner that many of us just straight up associate with full tilt. With the Pro Tongue Liner, you're saying this is providing a bit of a more traditional feel, but let's compare and contrast this to the Full Tilt Wrap Liner. Yeah, so your your Wrap Liner um, when when Full Tilt was, you know, we first started with Full Tilt, we worked really closely with Intuition, and we're still working with Intuition to today. Uh, Intuition had come out with this wrap style liner, it's this heat moldable closed cell EVA liner. Um, and we started using that in our full tilt boots. And it worked really well. It's a, because it was heat moldable and it was a relatively thick liner, it allowed people to mold that liner and to fit a whole bunch of different foot shapes. Um, so we had a lot of success with that. But for kind of like your average, Obviously, your average skier, but think of a, a lot of say good skiers come from this uh, ski racing style background, and a lot of ski racing boots are two piece boots coming with a tongue style liner. Um, full tilts are very different than that two piece boot with a tongue style liner. Now you got this three piece cabrio design, uh, this tongue that you're getting an eight tongue or something that might feel pretty soft compared to what boot you were in previously it's got this wrap liner so there's so many differences it can be hard for somebody who's been in a two-piece style boot to make the jump into full tilt so that made us decide you know why don't we take our first chair series let's make a, a really powerful tongue liner that works well in this boot um, so when somebody tries it on they have more of that impression of this kind of two-piece ski boot that they're, they've been used to, the performance characteristics that they're used to. Again, you're saying what are the, it's not just maybe a feel, but what are the performance characteristics or performance differences that you would cite between this tongue liner and the wrap liner? You know, I, it's a tongue liner and a wrap liner, they just have a different feel. Okay. Um, I, 
I skied tongue liners for a long time. Um, right in college, I made a switch to these rap intuition style liners and I, I really liked them. And they just have a little bit different feel and they just wrap your foot a little bit different. Your torsional rigidity or feel to the, the edge of your skis can feel a little bit different. The reason for putting this tongue liner into a full tilt was just to make it an easier transition for for some skiers um, and really just try and create a, a fit that felt a little more racy, essentially, so more like a, a ski race fit. Um, but, you know, the full tilt boots are, they have a lot of advantages um, over your standard two-piece design. You know, you got a lot of guys who feel like they need to be in this 130 flex boot that's really stiff, but, you know, that, that works great on, on grimmers. That works really Looks great on a race course, and a yeah, race course can get rough, can get rutted out, but it will never be as choppy as the front side of your local mountain two days after a big pow dump. Yep. It's been skied out to bumps everywhere, and all of a sudden, to be able to be in a boot that's maybe a little bit softer with a little more, more natural flex allows you to use your ankles to absorb terrain. So there's a lot of advantages to this full tilt. So this tongue liner kind of is trying to bridge the gap between what people like about this two-piece boot fit and feel with the the performance characteristics of a full tilt. This tongue liner is only going to be shipping with the first chair series of boots. All the other full tilt boots will still have the wrap liner. Do I have that right? So the new Tongue Liner is coming in our first chair 130 and our first chair 120. That's our Pro Tongue. It's a stiffer liner. It has a little bit higher density foam pack, um, a little more aggressive fit to it. It's got lace loops like a, like a race liner would, so you can lace that liner up um, and then put your foot into the shell. Our first chair 100 is coming with our classic Tongue Liner. So we have been using Tongue Liners on full tilt for a while now. It just has a little bit softer foam pack. And you wouldn't associate that tongue liner with a, a high performance liner. It's a very comfortable liner for your maybe your average skier. Uh, but it's our first chair 130 and 120 that get the pro tongue and then our ascendant approach. So we now have two ascendant models. Um, our ascendant approach gets a pro tongue tour liner. So same liner as the first chair 130 and 120, except that it's got a flex notch. So when you're touring, you're getting range of motion out of that liner. So with all the boot options out there, give me your best argument about what type of skier should consider getting into a full tilt and why. Yeah, so uh, that's, a, that's a tough question to answer because I think I really do believe full tilt can work for anybody. It has a different performance, has different performance characteristics versus um, most of the boots that are out there being that has this, uh, tongue, tongue on the, the shell that's controlling the flex of the boot. You get a little more range of motion out of the flex, but if you're somebody who's, you know, you see it in the, in the, the parks, kids are skiing full tilt all over the parks. And that's because the boot flexes naturally and you can get a pretty soft tongue. So when you're hitting jumps, you're landing switch you're not getting shin bang. And that's a pretty big storage, these full tilt boots. But if you're somebody who's 
you know, charging at your local mountain. You're not the guy who's stuck on the groomer. You're, you're adventuring. You're getting off piste all the time. Having a little bit of natural flex out of your ankles allows you to absorb the terrain more naturally. It, if you're coming out of a two-piece boot that's a 130 flex, it might be a little bit weird being in a boot that's a bit softer right away. But over time, you'll realize this is a huge, huge advantage. Now, I've talked to some big mountain athletes who've been skiing in these full tilt boots and just softer boots in general. Um, and it took me a little bit to, to get comfortable with it myself. But what, I, what I've learned through my journey of designing ski boots is there are big advantages to being in a softer boot, especially when you're a higher level skier. When you're somebody who has the balance, has the ability to maneuver through all terrain, to be able to absorb bumps and impacts more naturally versus having your ankles locked. Um, actually, I got a ton of scars on my chin. I might have like, I probably had stitches like five times on my chin from skiing in really stiff race style boots and, and hucking cliffs and whatnot. And what happens is when you take these really hard impacts, your ankles aren't able to flex. So your body ends up crumpling downwards and you'll smash your face into your kneecaps. But a softer boot allows you to absorb the impact more naturally. Had you jumped off your counter with your ankles locked, you're going to fall on your butt. But if you can move your ankles, you can absorb that energy more naturally. So somebody who's looking to charge all over the mountain, you know, catching air here and there, um, and just skiing aggressively... It's really going to benefit from being in a full tilt style boot. And then on the other side of the spectrum, full tilts are extremely easy to get in and out of. Because of their three-piece design, you're able to fold the tongue all the way forwards, which makes it really easy to slide your foot into. So I talked to a lot of boot fitters who use full tilt boots for some of their harder uh, boot fits for somebody who maybe has a a fused ankle, can't move their ankle anymore. Uh, it sounds counterintuitive to what I just said about the boots flexing, but it's really hard to get into a two-piece boot if you can't move your ankle. So full tilts have been uh, a saving grace for people like that who just want to be able to get in and out of their ski boots. Um, older people who have difficulty getting out of their boots, full tilts are a great option for them too. We make our boots with you know, we got all kinds of different tongues you can put on from the 130 flex to, to 80. So you can really control the, the, the feel and performance characteristics of the boot by changing out some of these parts. And it's really simple to do. It's really a boot that can be adapted to work for anybody. Um, we've actually had Bodie Miller playing around with full tilts seeing if he can get that to work for downhill. Um, you know, you got guys like him. You got guys like Tom Wallace, you know, Seth Morrison. We got Sammy Carlson on the boots now. Uh, if you look at our, the number of athletes who are skiing in our boots, it's phenomenal. You know, it's, the, the boot can really do anything. Just to address how easy it is to put on and take off these boots, you know, I'm somebody on, who's kind of been on record of being like, yeah, I don't care about that. But I got to say, 
having been skiing these boots uh, this past week, it's shocking. Like, (laughs) um, it's definitely the easiest boot I've ever both put on and taken off. And it's funny, I found myself thinking that, you know, some companies are kind of like bringing back the rear entry boot. And I'm like, okay, granted, I haven't tried those, so I, I won't speak to those. But I was like, I don't know why you would need a boot that is easier to put on than these. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome, especially on really cold days. Like yeah. it is as easy to put on at room temp as it is when it's completely frozen. So the way that I guess I should have said this, you know, kind of at the start, the reason, you know, credit where credit is due that I kind of got this renewed interest in full tilt and was like, I need to talk to Austin and, and like, let's figure this out and I should get back in a full tilt. I'd skied one years ago, but our reviewer, Eric Friesen, loves full tilt boots. He is a former big mountain comp skier. Eric goes hard. He is not a kind of, you know, for those who think, oh yeah, full tilts are for like park rats. Well, that is not Eric, you know? And it's funny, like we would come back from skiing, go into blister headquarters after a cold day on the mountain. And my habit is to just sit in headquarters for like 30 or 45 minutes in my ski boots. It like, and I just don't even bother to take them off. And so Eric just like all season has been making fun of me. Like we walk in, he immediately takes his boots off and he's like, Hey, what's up? How you doing? How those feet feeling? And um, so this was just one of many uh, instances and reasons uh, where it was like, all right, I need to kind of revisit this world. And, um, you know, and I think I was one of those people that was kind of pigeonholing full tilts into the like, well, I guess if you are just primarily riding the park, these kind of make sense. And um, Eric has helped helped break me free from that type of pigeonholing. Yeah, and, you know, I think maybe to say a little bit more on that tongue liner, it's, it's to, to really make it an easier transition for somebody like you who's been in a two-piece boot, who's pigeonholed full tilt as this freestyle market with this wrapped liner. It's, it's really different than what you're in currently. But now you, you put this tongue liner in. Um, it has more of your traditional feel to a two-piece style boot. It, it's really ma- making the, the fit and performance of the boot work for as a broader spectrum of people. And it's a great boot and it has... It, it can work for everybody, you know, if you just take, take a second to figure out which model is going to work best for you, what feels more natural, and then take a minute to understand uh, the real performance benefits that you're going to get from it. So just out of curiosity, what number tongue or what flex pattern would you say is most dominant in terms of full tilt sales? Is it at the 100 range, 110, etc.? No, not necessarily. And that's mainly because you look at price points are are kind of our lower price point models have come with a little bit softer tongue. And in all boots in general, you just sell more boots at a lower price point. Um, yes. So I would say probably on average, it's probably a six tongue. Um, but I think you see a lot of people naturally wanting to be in an eight or a 10. And then we've now have this 12. Now when I say eight and 10, I'm talking about our our 100 or our 120 flexes. Yep. 
a six, six would be a 90 and a four would be a 70. So we now have this 12 flex tongue, which is pretty new for full tilt. I think we designed the full 12 tongue two or three seasons ago now. And that's a pretty burly stiff tongue. It's, I, I weigh 170. When I get in that 130, 12 flex tongue, uh, I feel like I'm in a true 130. The thing is stiff. So let me ask you about sort of the boot fitter friendly side of things, let's say. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you think of and would position full tilt in those terms. Yeah, we, we've tried to do a lot of things to make it easy for a boot fitter to work with. Um, the first thing that a boot fitter is going to look at is just your foot. You know, how what is the width of your foot? So we have two different last widths. We have our FTE, Full Tilt Evolution Shell, which is a 102 last width, so wider. And then we have our FTOs and our FTS. So those shells come in the 99 millimeter last width. So we have two different last widths for a wider or a narrow foot. Everything on our full tilt shells, um, buckles, cuffs, can be unscrewed and removed. That makes it really easy for a boot fitter to take the boot apart, to do punches and grinds and just workability. Makes it easy to punch and grind. Uh, all of our shell materials, except for our ascending approach, are a polyurethane shell material, as we say TPU. So TPU materials are much easier for a boot fitter to work with. It's an easy material to grind. It takes heat from a heat gun really well, which makes punching really easy. Um, so it's really a boot fitter friendly material to work with. On top of that, you can take the whole shell, you can put it in an oven and custom mold the shell to help fit someone's foot. And then we have our liners, which use uh, Intuition materials. Uh, Intuition uses a closed cell EVA foam. And when you heat it up, it expands kind of like a marshmallow would in the microwave. Uh, it gets really soft and gushy. And when you put your foot inside, it, that foam will form around your foot and it cools and it has a shape that matches your foot. One thing we did, one thing new for us on our wrap liners is in the past, we did not have an actual footbed inside the liner. The bottom of the liner was just a, a thicker piece of foam. And when you heat mold the liner, you would basically form the bottom of your arch in the liner itself. But what we are doing now is we're actually putting a footbed into our wrap liners. So we kind of changed the stitching pattern and the design. What's great about that is a lot of people benefit from an aftermarket footbed. And this now makes it really easy for a boot fitter to remove the stock footbed, make a custom footbed for somebody, and put it in. Um, so there's a lot of things that we've done to just make it easy for a boot fitter to make this boot uh, adapt to whoever feels the need to be in it. Anything else? What did we miss? I, I think maybe we can also just touch real quickly on just a, a few new things we have at Full Tilt um, coming out next year. We have Sammy Carlson is uh, now joined the Full Tilt team. He has his own pro model. It's the Ascendant Sammy Carlson. And that boot is just a boot with a hike mechanism and tech fittings. It's a really burly boot. That's got a TPU shell. It's just made to take a beating and it's made to do everything. Um, so I say, if you're looking for a new pair of full tilts next year, go check out the Ascendant Sammy Carlson. Um, I said, that's, that's, that's the big one for us. And I, I would also add that Sammy came to us and said, 
I break all my boots. I'm looking for a really durable boot. I've been skiing your full tilt for a while now, testing them out, and this thing's holding up. It's awesome. How do I get on the team? And uh, so we partnered up with him to create this model. Yeah, it's pretty good. He can ski a little bit. He's pretty good. He does it all really well. <laughs> I wonder how many times he's had to get stitches in his chin. I wonder if he's winning or you are. I bet you're winning on that front. You might be better at you might be better at that aspect of skiing than Sammy. Hey, I've had five knee surgeries. I got stitches everywhere. I'm clearly not the most talented skier. I like to think I'm good, but I've taken a lot of beatings. Well, hey man, um, this has been fun. I appreciate the information. You know, it's uh, this was fun again. I give credit where credit is due. Eric Friesen really got me kind of reinterested in full tilt. You know, he's going to definitely be weighing in on all of this himself soon. But um, I think this is a, a good time to kind of shine a light on a brand that some people either perhaps a bit like I had kind of pigeonholed or written off a little bit. And um, I think it's just interesting to kind of make the case for why this boot is different, what's unique about it, and who maybe should give it a shot. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And, uh, everybody listening go check out a pair of full tilts in your local shop well sounds good austin thanks for the time and uh look forward to talking to you again soon all right thank you very much that's it for this edition of gear 30 and remember we are extremely close to that 250 ratings mark so come on people it's time for less talk and more telly so go leave that rating in itunes aka apple podcasts and let's do this thing I also want to say thanks to Austin Peters for the conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley and Justin Bob for co-producing this episode. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Bob is back, mostly because he's done, maybe for the time being, having more babies for a while. So he's going to be back hanging around these here Gear 30 parts more frequently. J-Bob, it's good to have you back. And finally, I want to say thanks to you, of course, for listening. Now, please, really pretty please, be smart and go take good care of yourself and everyone else out there. We will talk to you again next week. <laughs>